0: Hi everyone, my name is Emily Kreider, and I'm here to do our children's moment, or children's sermon. So, if you are a kid and you are sitting in the congregation, this is one of mine. Come on down. Come on down. There's something interesting on this stage you might need to see. So, I encourage you to come and sit on this rug, or you can sit right here in these pews. Come on down. Look at all our friends. Oh, and look at all these friends. Aren't you so excited? Okay, did you guys remember that today is the church's birthday? Did you know that? Guess how old the church is today? 150! Do you know anybody that's 150 years old? Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. There used to be people in the Bible that w- went all the way till like they were 200. Can you even imagine? Or later. Don't check my Bible trivia. Okay, how many of you love your birthday? It is so exciting, isn't it? We look forward to our birthday for like the whole year. We think about what we want to do, and we think about our friends, and who's going to come, and the kind of food we might eat, and the presents we might get. But you know the problem about our birthdays? Did you know there was a problem? Well, their excitement kind of goes away. The birthday happens, and then we go, oh. It's over already. And sometimes we can feel that way, even in the church, things get really, really exciting and then it kind of goes away for a little bit and then we wait for the Holy Spirit because Jesus wants our church to be like a light on the hill that can never go out and you have that light too. Did you know that? That light comes from Jesus and the help of his Holy Spirit. And, and to kind of show you what this might look like, I wonder if it's a little like these candles. We're going to light these candles and see how long they'll last. Oh, come on, candle. Talk amongst yourselves. Anybody got a good joke? Oh, holy moly, it's so bright. It's like a sparkler. It's just going and going. Not this one. This one's not going and going. It's going to. There it goes. Look at this. Oh, my gracious. Do you think this one's going to go, too, you guys? You do. Oh, look at you people have so much faith. Hey, children, children have a lot of faith. We ought to think about that, folks. Now, look at that. It's so, 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 so bright. It's like how excited we get at our birthdays. Everything is a magical and sparkly and bright. And it's kind of hurting my eyes. Does it hurt your eyes when you look at it? Yeah, it kind of hurts your eyes when you look at it. It's so bright. But you guys, it stopped. This one stopped. It's going away. Oh, man. Now, let me try something else because I have some extra candles on this cake, don't I? I've got some extra candles. I wonder if we light those, if those will just, you know, we'll see if they go out like those sparklers did because that didn't last nearly long enough for us, did it? We have a lot of things to get excited about in the history of our church. Did you know that 150 years ago when this church started, Colorado wasn't even a state? Isn't that crazy? And when you guys go to Sunday school today, you are going to hear all about what church was like 150 years ago. Do you think it was fun? No? No? <laughs> Oh my goodness, out of the mouths of babes, folks, here we go. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus gives us light, we sometimes think that it's going to go away. There's not going to be anything left when tomorrow comes, that it's just never going to come back again. But you know what's really cool about the Holy Spirit, and even in the life of our church, that Jesus keeps going and going and going, whether we're here or not. So let's see about these candles. Oh, no. They came back. Did you see that? They came back. Oh, no. How are we ever going to get them out? You think you can? Give it a shot. Oh, my goodness. He has a lot more hot wind at home. All right, all right, all right. We're going to set the fire alarm off. You can blame Janet for this. Kids, isn't it amazing what God can do in our midst and will promise us to keep doing over and over and over again for another 150 years to go. I am so excited for what Jesus is doing in our church and in you, because I think you guys have the best seat in the house. All right, let me give you a quick blessing. It'll be up on the screen. Um, congregation, if you want to follow along, if it's not, we're not going to do it, and I'm going to pray. Okay? Because I did not memorize it. Do we have the blessing? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't. That's fine. Jesus is here. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that your work continues with us and in spite of us. You go before us doing amazing things in our lives and in our friends' lives and in this church. We give you thanks for your faithfulness and trust that it will continue just like these candles that are still going. Let your Holy Spirit, Lord, be in our midst and do a mighty work in and among us and in your children. May they be a blessing to this place and to Boulder County. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, head straight up that aisle and head off to Sunday School, and I'm gonna find a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Lordy. Do well.
1: And
2: the smoke alarm, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and set seat. All right, who's afraid of the smoke alarm? <laughs> you know, we have lit those off before in this church during high holidays, and the uh, fingers crossed we won't uh, today. Hey, uh, again, just so good to see so many of you here Uh, Many of you are back uh, after a time away, and it's kind of like old home week here, and it feels so good to see uh, familiar faces also in the choir. Great to have you here, and it is my privilege to uh, reintroduce to you some old friends of ours uh, from our church history. We're going to have a discussion about some of the uh, things that have shaped our church and shaped these individuals, and so we invite you to listen in But I want to introduce them first. We're going to start from my right first with um, Rochelle. And Rochelle, it is good to have you here. Just a couple details. You first became involved in our congregation uh, with uh, children's ministry through VBS, Vacation Bible School, in the 1990s, early 90s. Then you were assistant director in children's ministry here in 97. And later you were our children and family ministry director all the way to 2012. So you had 15 years of service here, and you then went to seminary, and then you graduated with an MDiv and a master's degree in counseling, and then you were ordained in Colorado Springs, and now you serve as staff chaplain in the ICU and oncology unit at uh, UC Health Memorial Hospital. And you and your husband, Roger, attend First Press in Colorado Springs. It is great to have you back. Thank you. And Forrest, so good to have you back too. Uh, Forrest Buckner, the Reverend Doctor. By by the way, Reverend, Reverend Doctor, let's be clear. (laughs) Forrest was an active part of Club as a high school student here in Boulder. Club was our high school ministry, still is. He came back after college to serve here as director of high school ministry and then later uh, director of student family ministry. 2002 through 2011, about nine years I think it was, yeah. Forrest currently serves as dean of spiritual life and one of the campus pastors at Whitworth University in Spokane, Washington. Forrest and his wife Janelle met here at First Press and their daughters Esther and Bella were born while Forrest served here. Their son River was born during the year they were at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena. And then we have Tom Eisenman. And Tom, uh, I've had the privilege of working with three out of the four of you, but not with Tom. But Tom, honestly, I feel like I have worked with you because your files were still in my cabinet until this summer and when I cleaned them out. Right? <laughs> so I saw what you did here and it was, it was remarkable. But let me tell you a little bit about Tom Eisenman. Some of you may not know him. He was called to our church to oversee Christian education in 1977 and you continued to the church until you left in 1988 to join the staff of Community Press in Danville, California. Tom served us directing Christian education, he developed adult discipleship ministries, and finally led us in executive pastoral leadership. Since he left Boulder, Tom has been an ordained pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church, and his ministry is focused on spiritual formation, spiritual uh, direction, and pastoral care. And Tom and his wife, Judy, live uh, in San Diego. They've been married 58 years. Welcome back. Are you ready, Keith? Oh, how the tables have turned. (laughs) Keith, the Reverend Keith Vandegrift, was Associate Pastor of Mission at our church from January 2000 till August 31st, 2016, 16 years of service. Keith has two adult children, Chris and Anna, and is married to Lana. Keith loves to hunt and fly fish. Keith is a beloved curmudgeon, known for his wry humor and snarkiness. And currently serves as pastor at the Eckert Presbyterian Church in Eckert, Colorado. Welcome back, Keith. Well, as I uh, have been communicating with you, I think I shared that this 150th uh, celebration has been a marvelous chance for our congregation to look back in celebration, to see what God has done, and to get a better sense of what our almost spiritual DNA is. What is unique and uh, important about our life together under the good grace of God. And so at our symposium a few weeks back, we had people like you come back and share stories about ministry and how you were launched from this church. And it was was a shot in the arm. It really was. And now uh, you get to join us in this conversation. So we're really grateful you're here. And Wanted to ask you this first question. As you think back on your time at our church, what are some of the stories worth remembering? Important moments that have stuck with you? I am tempted to say ladies first.
3: <laughs>
2: Rochelle, why don't you start us off?
1: Um, okay, so my, um, my stories, of course, are going to be about the uh, children And I was thinking, um, how wonderful. I think my very favorite, very favorite day was always Palm Sunday, when the kids would come through waving their palms (laughs) and parents would be watching to see, and Peter would be looking at his watch wondering, oh no, how long is this gonna take? (laughs) And then, there was music camp and watching all of the kids—not only our kids, but kids from the community—and watching Jane Stavely over here engaging a hundred kids. I mean, they were so um, keen on watching her. And then Kids Hope and and being able not just to work with our kids, or but to move into the community, to move in. Um, to Columbine and minister again to kids who were struggling with reading and their families. Um, And I think Carl, one of my very favorite classes that we did was the communion class Mm -hmm. and it was small and maybe we would have five or ten kids and we would talk about communion and explain why in our church we had um, a communion table as opposed to an altar, and why sometimes our pastors wore those long robes. Um, but all of that happened because we had people who really loved those kids. And those, I think, um, are the moments that you know, really stay with me are watching those volunteers, those people, love those kids, teach those kids, and really model to them um, who Jesus is.
2: That's great. Well, you know, I... I I think we've identified that as one of our core commitments, that children, youth are so important to this church. And you had a very, very significant role during the time that you were here. And so thanks for that memory. That's that's fun to share some memories with you. I'm gonna keep going down the road. And Forrest, what about you? What would you say are some of the stories that are worth remembering?
4: Thank you. Thank you, Richel, a great introduction. I, I do want to just send my greetings from Janelle and my, my children. This is really our home away from home, Or We said homecoming when we come here, so they all wish they could be here. As I think of stories, I think it all comes, when I think of a phrase, it was a commitment to the faith formation and evangelism of youth. The commitment to the faith formation of youth is, I see story after story after story of how that played out here. And one was in my story. And as I was someone who didn't grow up going to church, and it was through a family in this church that decided to host. A Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting, Greg and Lenny over here at Parr, that I first heard about Jesus through a a student who had been empowered by this church, Jeff Parr, to be a light for Christ. This church empowered him and said, you have a a witness to give. And he invited me to an FCA meeting, and I heard about Jesus. And then some friends dragged me to the annex to a, a Bible study where I first had the taste of Christian fellowship and the fun and the joy of youth ministry in the annex and all that happened with club and high school ministry and then got involved in salt and light and got to sing with Marv and Alice Crawford and be a part of this big choir and see wow so church is something that's valuable and start seeing some models of Christian faithfulness in the saints who are here and who many are here today and I just look out in such gratitude that this was I call this my incubator of faith where I got to see and learn what does it look like to be Uh, a person along different stages of life who's walking with Jesus and faithfulness to him and love for God and love for others. And in that incubator, I was baptized and equipped and said, you for us to have something to offer. And so I continued in my ways of kind of trying to point people to Jesus the way I had been pointed to Jesus and uh, when I came back here after my engineering studies and the first president took a risk on me and said, we're going to hire this 22-year-old engineering grad to come and lead the high school ministry. And I was shocked and honored and was it's such a gift to be a part of that story then in my own life here. And then equipping me through seminary, through great supervision and mentoring and colleagues to say maybe I could be a pastor and again, that equipping, encouraging, incubating—that modeled for me that that path of faithful uh, faithfulness that led me to seminary and PhD studies, and then to where I am now. So my own story—it's is selfish, but I'm so thankful for the church, this church's role in my story. I could also talk about all kinds of amazing youth ministry things that I got to see and be a part of whether it was up at Highlands Camp night games or spending the night here in Secret Wonderful Senior uh, writes a passage called Otos and seeing the hilarious games in the, in the annex and playing, uh, air, uh, playing floor hockey in the fallout, all as a means of relational transformation and witness to Jesus, this God who comes to us in love, all the way going back to Harlan Shoup that he showed up at Boulder High with that van to take him to camp. And that led to uh, the years here when we went up to snow camp with 10 buses and 450 students, high school, middle school students, and 100 volunteers, all because we wanted to help the youth in this area get to know Jesus more. And seeing what happened and has continued to happen from those relationships is incredible. One, one full circle story. Uh, I got to, uh, when I was here, we had a, a summer club we used to do out in people's backyards. Again, a part of the ministry and the dna of, of first prayers of going and grace commons of going not just waiting for people to come to us we went and did club at this house in niwat and i met this young man named kurt and he was just checking out faith and was into athletics and we started talking and he got involved and he came to trust jesus over those years and recently i was able to reconnect with him in spokane where he is i have been a pastor uh, Ordained Presbyterian pastor in, in San Francisco Bay Area, and now in Spokane. And he came, and said, Forrest, it's been so long, and all came back to this place here where God had grabbed his heart through the ministry and witness of this church and its investment in the formation of youth and youth ministry. So there's a couple stories for me. That's, that's fantastic. Woo-hoo! That's great.
2: Well, thank you very much, Forrest. Uh, Tom, how about you? What are some stories, you know, you uh, go back a little further. Uh, what, what do you remember that was really significant? Mm-hmm.
3: So, <laughs> stories, oh my gosh. Um, what I'd like to talk about mainly is I've had reflection over what made the church kind of unique uh, back when I came to the church. One thing is how I came. Um, answered a little ad in Christianity Today Uh, First Presbyterian Church in Boulder looking for director of Christian education. I was teaching school in Rochester, Minnesota. There's a wild story about how this all worked out and how I actually wound up (laughs) being here. But what I'd like to emphasize is I had no Bible college training. I had no seminary uh, training. And um, this church looked at me with an openness, not only who I am as a person, but was God doing something unusual and unique? And I talked to one of the people on search committee last night, and he said, I didn't like you, I didn't want you to come. (laughs) And I won't tell you who that is. (laughs) But, But the reality was even that on the committee was overcome by some sense that God was doing something unusual, that the Holy Spirit can move things that I didn't have the legitimate papers, I didn't have the legitimate background. Uh, But there was something happening between me and the staff of the church. And um, I think about John Hess in the same way I was here. By the way, the first like five or six years I was here with the best ministry time in my whole life uh, church ministry is hard yeah. and pastoral ministry is hard but it was, it was a great beginning for me here so we were looking for a pastoral care person this was like five years after I came looking for someone to visit hospitals and uh, take care of people and visit people in all this so on so we did this nationwide search but um John Hess, and the way I remember it is I met him in that little hallway coming off the parking lot. I think he was volunteering uh, custodial stuff at the time Hmm. because I met him like leaning on a broom or something. And, but people loved John. Um, John was very relational and loving, caring guy. So we went to John and said, while we do this search, um, would you be willing to do our pastoral care ministry like half time? And he said, yeah, I'd like to do that. So we did a nationwide search, came up with two candidates that looked really good. The first one came in and interviewed and um, it didn't go as well as we had hoped. We had a staff meeting afterwards (laughs) and Bob Erner said to us, "Um, if your wife or one of your children or relatives was sick, would you want this person to visit? And we all go like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a second interview with a second person, and it was the same thing. Had uh, the meeting afterwards, and Bob said, would you want this person to visit? And we go, no, <laughs> not really. So but what I'm getting at here is, so then we go back to John and say, if we supported your education aiming toward ordination in the Presbyterian church, would you be willing to continue to do our pastoral care ministry while you get a seminary degree? And John said, yeah, so that's, that's how John came to the church, uh, maybe part-time custodian, uh, <laughs> turns out. So, but what I'm, what I'm hinting at here is, could, would the church today call me to an upper-level staff position? with no Bible college, no seminary education. And so what I'm I'm poking around at is the church open to possibilities today that even seem, you know, I think about the angel coming to Mary, you know, that whole situation. Talk about unusual, right? And all the trouble it caused in a way, but a huge risk, is the church willing to risk things that seem strange or unusual. Or could the Holy Spirit really be speaking to us this way? And I think where the church is now, where facility has become so important and programs, uh, structures have been so important, but is the vision the kind of vision that is really open to something unusual the Holy Spirit may want to do here? And I found, I'll quit with this, but I found that there are two types of people basically, people who say yes and people who say no. People who say yes are usually rewarded with adventure, new information, possibilities, doors that open for them. People who say no are rewarded with safety. But once you say no, you cut off all possibility of new information, new possibilities, adventure, excitement, new vision. So that's, that's basically, I'd leave that question here. Is the church, this church today, a church that is willing to say yes, even though it's risky? It's hard for this church because the church has been through a lot of hard, um, difficult situations. And what happens, you get more and more conservative. Everybody gets more afraid mm-hmm. to make an edgy decision That's true. because you've been hurt. But the more you close off yourself to possibilities, the smaller your church uh, becomes. Mm-hmm. And I'll just stop there. Thank you. Thank
2: you.
5: Tom, you left out one thing about people who say yes, and that is, in the Presbyterian Church, they become the moderator of some committee <laughs> to do some great idea. I had, early in my tenure here, I had attended a meeting, I came out to the parking lot for the meeting, after the meeting, you know those meetings? And when we finished, I got in the, my car, my daughter was probably seventh or eighth grade, and she said, hey, do you know that all of you standing in that circle, head-on khakis and plaid shirts. <laughs> and I said, no, I did not notice that. She said, is that like an old guy uniform <laughs> or something? And apparently it is. <laughs> well, I want to talk about staff. I have lots of uh, mission and ministry stories that are wonderful. But for me, the transforming part of being in this church for a long time was relationships with all of you all and others. <clears throat> Um, I've waited 23 years to share this story. Marv Crawford is here and I'm so happy because when I, the first time I stood up before the staff, I had a brand new cell phone, Y2K, didn't know how to use it, and it started buzzing when I'm trying to talk to the staff. And I don't know how to turn it off, I don't know how to read a text message. Finally, I look down and it says, Hi, it's Marv Crawford, you're doing such a good job, keep it up. (laughs) So later, we were at the 80 plus uh, birthday party, which is always a highlight. We were in Erder Hall, and the, the pastors were lined up to sing hymns. And John Hess, who always came late, was on the end, and then Don Meeks, and then Dave Strand, and then me, and then on down toward Marvin and Peter. And at the end of the first verse, at the top of his voice, three of us heard John Hess say, And the skies are not cloudy all day. <laughs> and we started to Twitter a little bit, you know. Shit we sang, it was like Great as Thy Faithfulness or something. And the second verse, what we heard at the end was yippee ki <laughs> And three of us started laughing uncontrollably, just quivering and shaking. And we were getting these frosty looks from two bald gentlemen down at the end of the line. It was sort of like, and later we said, John, what were you doing? And he said, well, they served the salads. Typical Hess. We said, yeah, they served the salads. He said, look, they served the salads and every head went right down to the side. They didn't care about what we were saying. They we could not have said anything. <laughs> Why do I tell that story? Well, because Hess isn't here to defend himself. <laughs> Number two, we, uh, in our relationships, our staff relationships, I think we tried to take kingdom ministry and the scriptures and the church and the work of the gospel with utter seriousness, but not take ourselves too seriously at all. And for me, those relationships over a long period of time were transformational, and that's probably what I'm most grateful for.
2: Mm -hmm. That's great, thank you. Well, those are all such great stories, and um, we're gonna shift gears and sort of think ahead. We've looked back, but I wanna think ahead with you. Um, and in order to do this, we, we really want to reflect on uh, this church and how it reflects in some way the nature of Jesus to our world. And let me explain. I mean, I think every church has, it's almost like a diamond. Every church is a facet of a diamond that is Jesus. And each church has one unique reflection of the light that comes from it. And as you think about First Press, Grace Commons, what do you think is unique about this congregation and the light that it is able to reflect to the outer community? We won't go in any particular order.
4: I think in in my own story and experience, it's the faithful witness of the saints. This amazing, beautiful people who have faithfully committed to Christ and to this place and to Boulder and saying, we are going to be rooted here and serve here and let uh, our efforts towards participating in God's kingdom work uh, flow from us here. And I got to see that in so many ways in in the time I've been connected with this church over the last 30 years when uh, I was back, whenever we come back here uh, as a, come back to Boulder as, as my, my family, we always try to be here for a Sunday so we can come here. This, like I said, this is our, one of our homecoming places and uh, not too long ago, six months ago or so, we were here and I did some of the, uh, some met Topher over here for healing prayer. I see Topher over here Fox and we prayed for this church and the image that we saw was this picture of... Of light just bursting forth out of this building, over the city, over the university. This beautiful light just pouring out over Pearl Street, over NIST, and over all these different places, over Google and the high schools. And this light just pouring out in the middle of the city. And that's the picture I think of. I think of this faithfulness of... The people, you here, and people through the ages, the cloud of witnesses, who said, we are going to stand here with Jesus, and through us, he's going to shine his light, pour his light over this city. And I think this church is situated the way that, I don't know, maybe there are other churches now that are, but it feels like this is the one I know that is situated right in the middle of Boulder that has that opportunity to be that light fountain, the light of the gospel of Jesus in all kinds of wonderful ways. Mm.
2: That's really great, for us. You know, it's fun. I think a lot of you will have name tags with you put your name on it and then you put the year that you first came to our church. And it's, it's so exciting to see some folks who've been here 50 years or more. And these are the, the folks that have carried that light to us and well beyond our walls. So that's a great reminder. Thanks for that. What else? What else? What is a unique aspect of the light this
3: congregation reflects? So, um, since I haven't been here for almost thirty-five years, it's hard for me to speak about where the church is uh, now. But I do look out here, and and this is this has become a less and less cross-cultural community, and I think I think. For the future, having more cross-cultural intelligence and finding ways to reach people you know, uh, cross-culturally is probably really important. I also i am um, aware of how the uh, real estate market has changed in Boulder. And I think it's forcing a lot of younger people to, to not be in the community here. And I was thinking, you know, what would it be like? It's a crazy idea. But what would it be like for a church like this to start planting um, house churches in areas outside of the, the city limits? And, you know, just like the early church have, you know, 15 to 25 people meeting every week. The church is sponsoring a meal so that there's always food there. Kids are always invited. But how do you reach, you have to get out of, this context in order to reach people um, who would typically not come here, you know, to this church. I know it sounds like a crazy idea, but things like that could be thought about um, how to do church differently. And, you know, get rid of the sense that things have to happen on certain hours, certain days, in a certain facility. You know, think think more broadly than that about how the church can actually be uh, the salt and the light, and in, in really penetrating ways in the communities that surround here. So, that's just off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm saying those are the kind of things maybe you could think about as a church and, and how, to, how to spread who you are into areas that, that you haven't reached before. What a great mission area this is. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'm done. I Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Thanks.
2: Thank you. Um,
1: Tom when um, I came to Boulder like 1977 um, I went to a home church before I came here so interesting idea um, when I was thinking about what makes this church unique, I, I guess I had to say what makes Boulder, you know, the church here unique is Boulder, and um, who we are as a community. And um, I'm sure you all know, very highly educated community. Um, but what I see here um, is that we have always landed in truth. We are a church that is really oriented to truth, but we are also a church that is oriented towards grace. I mean, what a beautiful um, picture of Jesus that really is to be um, both truthful and graceful. And I think that Boulder it's a, as a church that has an emphasis on on social uh, issues, and I think this church has really honored that. Um, I uh, I go to First Pres Colorado Springs now, and um, if you want to have two polar communities in the state of Colorado, <laughs> you can have you can have Boulder um, and. You can have Colorado Springs. And when my husband and I were talking about this this morning, he talked about the fact that um, this church coexists in a community that isn't always really welcoming um, to the spiritual. And they've done that for 150 years. Um, and we have been able to be a place of truth that gives all kinds of depth and belonging and a place of grace that extends forgiveness and healing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see here is that we have been able to do both over a very, very long time.
2: Wow, thank you so much. Mm.
5: I would build on what you said, Rochelle. I think it's very congruent with what I was thinking. But if you really want to compare unusual towns, it's not Boulder and Colorado Springs, it's Boulder, Colorado Springs, and Eckert. <laughs> <laughs> right, Lona? You ain't lived till you've been to Eckert, Colorado, my friends. <laughs> um, similarly uh, to what you were saying, Rochelle, I'm looking at a friend who have been in a small group for a while. And, somebody I respect as much as anybody else. And uh, he says when he came here in the late fifties, uh, right around 1960, Boulder County was Republican and dry. <laughs> I'd say things have changed. <laughs> quite a bit. And what I appreciate is the commitment to truth, to the gospel, a certain sort of stubborn, tough mindedness about what scripture reveals but also a deep sensitivity, especially to people around us uh, here in this town, but also the world who don't have pretty lives, who are desperate, who are lonely, who are hurting. And we have always been a community, um, there's lots of cliches about this, but uh, an organization that exists for those who are not here. And I've just, uh, it educated me in great ways and I experienced wonderful things because of it.
2: And I think it's one of the hallmarks
4: of our church. That's great. Thanks, Keith. Nice. Just one brief. I think one of the amazing gifts this church has is that it has those who have the 50-year, you know, been here for 50 years on their name tag, but also has those who've been here a month. And I think over all of our stories, you see the way this church, in the beauty of this family, has welcomed in those people who are new and fully incorporated us into the life and ministry of this church. And I think that going forward, this full incorporation of, of young and old, of ones who've been here for so long and ones who are just getting to know this place have a heart for Boulder to, to grow in Christ, that, that integration of that work and unity as a family of believers feels really like a gift this church has going forward.
2: It's great.